Welcome to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a sacred space for empowerment through modern magic, spiritual activism, and reclaiming your power. I am your host, Nixie Marie, feng shui practitioner, earth activist, and mystic here to support and inspire your journey in becoming the change you wish to see in this world. That change starts within. Join myself and fellow thought leaders, metaphysical experts, and luminaries each week as we explore practical and magical ways to living in your highest alignment. Your journey as an empowered goddess begins here. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I Am Goddess Collective Podcast. I hope you're having an amazing blissed out week. If not, happy Tuesday or whenever you find yourself tuning into this episode. I am very excited to have been interviewing the lovely Felice Malay, who's on the show today with us. She is a amazing spoken word poet, speaker, and she is on a mission to really use courage as a social change tool. So she's very much big on using your voice and she's actually got some really awesome uh, courses and workshops coming up to support you connecting to your voice and reawakening that voice within. So such a perfect, perfect uh, podcast for Leo season. As so many of you tuned into last week's episode, we've got Leo season. We've got lots of things happening in the house. It's awesome. I'm very excited. So anyways, before we dive into Felice's awesome interview where she actually, I don't know if some of you guys are familiar with her viral video that was blasted out called Witch. Uh, some of you might have seen it. If you haven't, she actually shares it with us on the show today. So you will hear it. If you haven't heard it he at all, you'll hear it today. And so it's really powerful. I actually found her through the Grams and she and I connected there and I was like, listen, sister, we got to get you on the show. So she's here. She's ready to share with us how we use our voice, confidence, courage. She gets real. She's vulnerable. Super awesome goddess. Super happy to have her here. But first and foremost, before we do that, I actually have a couple announcements and I want to read a review. Sisters, we got a review in the house. I'm very excited. You guys know how much I love reviews. They really help support the show and grow. They support the show and grow. I just rhymed. Hey, hey, we're getting ready for the spoken word poet and she's the ultimate. I don't think she really rhymes, but you know, we're setting the intention here. Okay, I'm just being a dork. All right, so thank you so much, G. Jen. Uh, she says, love, love, love. I adore Nixie Marie and the I Am Goddess Collective podcast. There is so much diversity of information that is rooted in a heart-centered and feminine way. I would highly recommend this podcast to anyone that wants to hear authentic sharing from some inspiring goddesses. Thanks, Nixie Marie, for all that you bring to the world. Love you. Oh, thanks, love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you too and very honored to be able to be the conduit of this amazing platform and community that we've built here. So thank you. And you, if you have not yet gone over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast, we're actually now on Spotify, 
as well as on YouTube. So if you feel like putting on YouTube, (laughs) there's not a video that follows it, but wherever you listen to podcasts, I would really appreciate you guys leaving a review. And uh, if you do, I have a little bonus for you. Are you guys ready? So this is my announcement. If you leave a review or screenshot your favorite episode and share it in your Instagram stories, and tag I am Goddess Collective Podcast on Instagram that you will have a chance to enter a contest where you will be able to sit with our monthly membership coven in our full moon ritual. So our full moon ritual is actually every single month. So you'll be able to access that next month for August, September. (laughs) Just trying to think about when this podcast is being released. Anyways, so you'll be able to sit in with us. Um, It's such an amazing circle of women. It's a live Zoom chat. So share it out. Share the love. You get to you get to join us. So I will announce the winner every single month um, through Instagram or you might if you didn't do it through Instagram and you just wrote us a review, I will make sure to find you or you can screenshot it and send that to Nixie at I am Email that over. And uh, if you have not yet joined our Facebook group, please head on over there. There's lots of awesome conversations happening and support and sisterhood. So head on over to Facebook, type in I am Goddess Collective and find us there. And I'm sure you guys heard my announcement last week about Clarity, my new product line that I have released out into the world. And it has only been really exclusively released to you guys as my OG audience. So head on over to clarity.com, C-L-A-R-Y-T-I forward slash (laughs) goddess.com forward slash goddess. So clarity, C-L-A-R-Y-T-I dot com slash goddess for your discount. It's up to 30% off the starter kit. So find out all the information on our website. I'm very excited to see what you guys think. It's definitely my new baby that I'm giving birth to have given birth to. It's definitely a process, but I'm very excited. So thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for being here. Let's dive into this lovely episode with Felice Malay. Hello, beautiful goddesses. Welcome back to another lovely episode on the I Am Goddess Collective podcast. I have a very special guest here on the show with us today. Uh, we've got Felice Malay, and I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> Just realized I did not ask you how you pronounce your name. Hello, how are you? I am good, and yes, you pronounced it perfectly. Okay, beautiful. Well, Fleezy is a two-times TEDx speaker and viral poet. Some of you might have recognized one of her beautifully and powerfully videos that was really to embody this this word witch, right? And uh, she is internationally renowned evocative. But that's what it does say. Evocative and powerful spoken word artist, speaker, and coach. And she's also a global advocate for women's rights and a fierce voice for the power of authenticity, courage, and as a as a, a voice as a social change tool. So it is no no like shadow of why she's here to speak today. I'm really excited to hear what you are here to say and use your voice. And so welcome to the show. Mm, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're, um, we're, we've been doing a lot of 
talking about opening up the voice and living from our authentic truth and taking off our masks and really, you know, getting in that vulnerable place. And if I know, like anybody knows that going through that process is kind of, isn't easy, you know, and there's a lot of um, things that we are met with. So I'd love to sort of hear first and foremost, like how you got started on this journey and what called you to speak as a artist and a poet and use your voice for the greater good. Mm. I think a big journey for me is, is just the the journey of shame, that um, the dynamic with shame that, that, that we each have in our own way. And for me, I guess there was a few layers of it of being a girl. We have so much shame put on us for our voices, for speaking up, for our bodies, for how we show up in the world. And, um, and then as a queer person as well, there was the levels of shame in that. And as somebody who naturally shone, like I was, I was drawn to the stage. I was drawn to be someone who took up space. It's something that I've always been very good at. But uh, in my culture, which I was brought up in England, it was very common to kind of uh, cut down the tall poppies to to be don't don't be so loud, don't be such a centre of attention all the time. Kind of just such a you know you're always wanting everybody to look at you, and it's a lot of shaming that comes around that. And I think that um, a massive part of my journey has been being someone who is so naturally um, in place when I am on stage and yet the shame that then I had to unpack the shame that was put on me around that stuff. Um, mm. Like who, who, who am I as a woman to, to want to be seen? And um, then the, the innate desire to be liked that I had inside me, this, this desperate need to, to want to be liked and to be cool and to be accepted and how that would play out with myself when I was on stage. And a massive part of the work that I do around, um, around what it is to be, to be courageous, to really speak our truth, comes from my own journeys. And whether that's my journey of um, accepting myself and really letting myself be seen rather than being up on the stage and, and trying desperately to get this audience to like me, what is it just being myself up there? And then the, the, the world of um, growing up as a queer woman in a world where both of those intersectional places are, are marginalized and systematically mm. silenced and the the silencing of stories and so for me as somebody who is so deeply drawn to the stage so deeply drawn to stories and to the power of stories and then someone who you know I think we all have stories that that we need to tell and, and that deserve to be heard so um yeah I think to getting where I came today came from that mix between my what I'm naturally drawn towards and what I was given to, as my challenges in life and, and um, wow. yeah it's yeah. been an absolute blessing for me when did you start speaking on stage oh, I've been on stage since I was small since I was uh, probably about nine or ten but I'm um, doing my spoken because I was I wanted to be an actress you know <laughs> I wanted to be on tv <laughs> and movies and stuff like a lot of young girls did um but I started doing spoken word when I was about 19 so I'm 33 now so that was, um, I was traveling, I was hitchhiking around uh, Canada at the time and I noticed I'd been at stage school, I'd been at, 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 um, been doing, yeah, been at stage school and all this other stuff and been really aiming at being an actress but there was something in the world of theater that I really struggled with and that was this world of, kind of the two-facedness, the competition, the, the ripping each other down, the wearing the, far, the, the masks, the, the kind of fierce masks of confidence and like, and, and character and, um, attitude that everybody was wearing and I just didn't feel very okay with it it just didn't feel right for me and I kind of ran away from it all and and went traveling and when I was traveling I stumbled across this little 
open mic nights in Victoria in British Columbia and these three people got on stage and started beatboxing and doing spoken word and I was just like wow this is this is the crossover point because on one hand I was was really into the theater stuff on the other hand I was massively into activism I'd spent already spent even by the age of 19 I'd already spent years on the front line um, activism within the UK uh, mm. in tree sits and kind of um, locking on in the middle of rows and going to protests and this sort of stuff. And the world of spoken word um, seemed to take those two things, this love of, of performance and arts and storytelling, and yet this passion for changing the world and making the world a better place and merge the two together in this really beautiful and authentic way. And um, yeah, I kind of walked away from it, a changed woman. I kind of came back from, from Canada going, right, well, this is, this is my thing. Um, yeah. Hmm. What, for those that aren't as familiar with like spoken word poetry, what exactly, how can you define that? Mm, I love that question. I don't get asked that very much anymore because lots of people seem to know about it. But uh, <laughs> I, when I first started spoken word, I'd, I'd say to people, oh yeah, I do, I do spoken word poetry and I get this blank look. And so my description of it is it's, it's the world where, um, where poetry, theater, and I guess a little bit of like hip hop and rap kind of merge together. So it's depending on who you are, you have a bit more of one or the other. Some people live more in the poetic realm. Some people live more in the theatrical realm and some people seem to live more in the kind of hip hop um, or or rap wordplay realm. Um, I'm definitely quite theatrical. I think I merge all three of them pretty well, but uh, there are some people that are, that are, for example, way more hip hop and you can hear the beats as they're, as they're speaking and you can kind of feel the rhythms as they speak. And so for me, it's that it's, it's kind of poetry with the theatrical and, uh, and a rhythmical edge to it. And I think in this day and age, it's, it's actually what makes it such a special tool is it takes something which has so often only been reserved for the elite, which is literature, and it, and it puts it into the hands of the people, of the folk. So, I mean, like it, it, it really, spoken word really kicked off in marginalized communities. So, for example, in um, the Puerto Rican community in, in America, the Puerto Rican New York community, uh, that's kind of where slam and spoken word really started to take off and in Chicago and, and then in, in the queer community as well. It was, it was giving a space for people who had been silenced to have a voice and to also own literature in a way that they've never been allowed to before because throughout history, literature and poetry specifically had been really reserved. Even the language used in poetry was reserved for people who had a specific type of education, who'd been privileged to get a specific type of education. And so it, um, the, I think that the power of it comes from that fact that really anyone, anyone can access it and you don't have to have some kind of uh, a specific way of using language to do it. You can come as you are and, and as who you are and speak your truth and your story in your way. And it still counts spoken word. Mm, I love that description. You highlighted a few things there that I wanted to kind of pull out. And um, one of them is uh, what your life has been like um, growing up as queer and how you've led with bravery uh, through, you know, coming out and just being who you are. And like you said, coming out and coming as you are. I love that. That was really beautiful, beautifully said. So I'd kind of love to explore that journey as well. Yeah, I think um, I realized my own sexuality quite young. I think I was about 12 or 13. So it was as I was beginning to explore sexuality in general, I clicked on pretty quickly that I was attracted to 
all genders, all people. It didn't matter what body they had. And um, mm. it was very quickly boxed by society as being bisexual, which I don't really reject that box, but it doesn't particularly relate to me. I like the word queer because it has the fluidity in it, the sense of fluidity of, of, of all genders, of all people. And um, I was, I think I was very lucky in, in my own mindset as in I never doubted the rightness of my sexuality on, or, or at least I never doubted that it, that being queer was okay. I was like, okay, I, I think that the people who, people who are homophobic are obviously wrong. Um, but I did have a lot of people telling me that it was a phase that I was again, attention seeking this story coming back, coming back, especially as a woman being told that you're doing things to seek attention, you're doing things to, to, to receive some kind of like a yeah, attention that, that was put on me. And so even now in my thirties, I have to unpack this story like almost mm. daily when I'm attracted to people that maybe it's a phase that maybe I'm, maybe I'm not um, queer. Maybe I'm just like, or, or maybe I'm a lesbian and just not admitting it, or maybe <laughs> I'm straight and just not admitting it, you know, uh, or maybe I'm doing it for attention. And, um, and also I'm, I'm, I'm uh, what people, most people class as polyamorous as well. So I have multiple connections happening mm. uh, simultaneously. And I recently, about, well, about seven months ago, fell in love with a, a cis man, with a man. And um, I have some other lovers who are trans non-binary. And I was talking to them. I was like, oh my God, like I've fallen in love with this man. And does that mean I'm not queer anymore? And they looked at me and they're like, Please, <laughs> two out of your three lovers are trans non-binary people. You're definitely still queer. But oh, that yeah. for me really kind of, it, it really highlights something that I think a lot of people who identify as bisexual feel. And that is that, that our story has been silenced by all parties. We were never gay enough to be gay and never straight enough to be straight. And, um, and until very, very recently have been uh, kind of excluded from the picture, excluded from a lot of, a lot of narratives. So um, I think that's mm. been my main battle with, with my queerness is actually not, not, not owning that it's okay to be queer. That's, been a, that's not been a problem for me, but owning that I belong, this sense of belonging and, and not being, uh, feeling like maybe I... Uh, What's the term? There's a, a word for it. Uh, imposter syndrome, you know, the sense of imposter syndrome in whatever community that I was moving in. And it's been a, a really, um, the act of actually speaking out about my imposter syndrome has been mm. one of the biggest, the, 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 one of the biggest shifts in, in actually breaking through it. Mm -hmm. I remember being at the National Poetry Slam in the States last year and I was speaking to a friend of mine who um, is also a, a trans non-binary person and I just met them there and I was standing in this room full of 300 queer people who are all poets. And I just said to them, I just don't know if I feel, you know, queer enough to be here. I don't know if I belong to have my story said here because I'm not like as queer as other people. And they just looked at me and they're like, what do you mean? Like that you are, that, that is called imposter syndrome. And I want you to know that I feel it too. And I was like, wow, like here is this person who I'm classing as being, you know, higher up on the queer ladder <laughs> than myself, which is an absurd concept in yeah. itself. And they are feeling the same feelings as me. And it made me look around that room in a different way and go, oh, my God, every single one of these people in this room have been brought up to believe that they don't belong. And we're all in this room together feeling like imposters. And that in that was a sense of, of, of connection and unity that I found. And, um, mm. and actually, that's, that's the kind of the, the nutshell of the work that I, that I do, I think, with um, the, I run an event called Mother Tongue, which is a woman's spoken word space and a platform for women's voices. And, 
what I witness is women standing up there, queer women, straight women, you know, um, telling their stories. And no matter how alone they felt before they told their story, they walk away from it in a room full of people who feel they feel connected to. There's this sense of, of connection and then it, and it breaks down so much of the, the internal isolation that causes so many societal problems, I think, in this day and age. Mm. Wow, yeah, the imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's such a real... Um, real feeling for I think so many people out there and um, especially our I know listeners here um, as well as myself who you know been taking these these greater risks in life and stepping into you know another level of bravery and courage and with that like I I I know here that you've got uh, Brene Brown as one of your um, women who inspires you and I to feel like she um, has set an example for what is possible. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we all get to do. And with that imposter syndrome, it feels so uncomfortable. And, you know, I'd love to kind of hear how you navigate that when you feel those, those feelings of I don't belong. Do you kind of go into like affirmations or, you know, what, what helps you shift out of that? Well, um, that's great. I think I want to also name that it goes, it doesn't just exist within the queer realm. Like I, as, you're, as you're saying, like probably everyone listening to this podcast experiences imposter syndrome sometime. And another place that I really feel it is in the world of business as a, yeah. a woman and as an entrepreneur and also as a, somebody who didn't come from the business realm. You know, I came from the activism realm. I came from living on the streets like 10 years ago. You, I, you would never have caught me in any kind of business situation. I was living as, as low keel a lifestyle as I could and, and you know, didn't have a clue about that stuff. So when I find myself in, you know, like at TEDx, standing in front of a room full of people who have these, you know, doctorates in, in rocket science or whatever else they have, <laughs> I definitely feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I mean, for, for one part of it is that the, the story of I don't belong is one of my three core shame stories, right? So I have, I, I have this understanding like in, in the work that I do around, around using our courageous voice, I have this concept that we all carry these different shame stories that are there that we use to protect us, to keep us safe. And at some point in our life, they did keep us safe. They kept us small, so we didn't... Um, you know, we didn't risk, take a risk that could have been dangerous for us, but now they don't necessarily serve us anymore, but they still keep playing out. And I have three course shame stories that come up for me almost every day. And the first one is, um, who am I to impose my voice on these people? Who am I to impose myself on these people? Um, my second shame story is, uh, who am I to think I'm qualified enough to, to be in this space or to speak up in this way? Um, and the third shame story that I get all the time is, is soon somebody is going to find out that I'm a fake, that I'm faking mm. it, that I'm lagging it, that I don't really know that I'm not as good, I'm not as kind, I'm not as clever, I'm not as funny as they think I am, and I'm going to get called out for it. Um, and they're, like my, they're my core shame stories, and, my, and my, my brain will tell me those stories in completely different languaging to try and trick me. But when I can actually catch myself telling myself that I don't belong and bring it back to one of those shame stories. I'm like, ah, oh, I see what's going on. This is one of my shame stories. And, and acknowledging, you know, the, we, we as women are alive because the, of the silence of our great grandmothers. You know, there was, there was one woman in our history at some point 
who stayed alive because she stayed silent. And mm-hmm. it was her silence that kept us, that made it possible for us to exist. And so like there is deep, there is deep reverence for our capacity to stay silent when we need to, or to stay small when we need to, to keep ourselves safe. But if it's not keeping us safe anymore, then, then we need to unpack that. We need mm. to stop the silence because actually right now the silence isn't keeping us safe. It's not. And we have, Maya Angelou has this fantastic, or she said this fantastic thing, which was, um, there is, uh, what is it? There is um, no greater agony than the burden of an untold story. And for me, that Mm. is, that is, when I think of that in, in the the realms of what it is, uh, what I'm witnessing around me in the world of stories and women is, is we got told so long and we talked about the witches. We got actually like burned at the stake for speaking, you know? It's mm-hmm. like if you speak up, if you show yourself as being too strong, too fierce, too sexy, too wild, too opinionated, if you piss somebody off in the slightest, you risked being burned from the outside in. Um, so we silenced ourselves to keep ourselves safe. But we are now at a point in the generation where we are keeping those stories inside ourselves and those stories are now burning us from the inside out. And the risk is now greater to keep silent than it is to, to speak up. For most people and not for everybody because there are some you know there are some places in our life that it and some pe- some people who live in certain places that, that really it is still very dangerous to speak up and so it's about understanding for me when I'm going to get those fears of belonging I look around myself and the first thing I think is a is it safe is it is it just uncomfortable or is it unsafe which one is it and if it's just uncomfortable I'm like okay well then I can be here because it's not unsafe to be here and speak and then I look around the room and I see that each of those people in that room, like I did at the, the, in the Queer Poetry Slam, I look around and I see these people and every single one of them in that room are dealing with their shame stories. And every single one of them has had some story in themselves, marginalized and silenced. Every single one of those people cries. Every single one of them has felt heartbreak. And every single person around me in that space hungers for connection. Everyone. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing that every human hungers for or is a sense of connection, whether that's to themselves, to another being, or to some greater divine connection. That's what we hunger for. And so when I can remember that, when I step out into the world to do whatever it is I'm doing, whether that's going shopping or standing on a stage in front of, you know, uh, a room full of of women working in big data and crypto, you know, which is the world that I don't understand at all, and I feel like I'm so different from them. And then I stand up and I look around, I'm like, every every single woman in this room knows what it is to be silenced. Every single one of them is deeply hungering for connection and probably wearing a mask for most of their life because that's what we've been taught to do as women. And when I can speak to that, when I can speak to the woman behind the mask, when I can speak to the part of them that is hungering for connection, then something massive can shift in all of us and the imposter syndrome for all of us disappears. Mm. Yeah, I think we can really all relate to that one singular thing that you you know, really brought it home to is that we've all been silenced at some point. And uh, I really believe a lot of the karmic healing that we're doing as women now today and why we signed up to be here is to really break through that. And um, that's why I love podcasting, (laughs) you know, um, but you've really sounds like the word fierce really comes through when I hear you speak and I it just sounds like you know you are in your alignment and this is what you're meant to be doing and 
Um, it's really, it's really just beautiful to be able to create that space for women to have, um, to see each other, to bring each other home. And, you know, I'm, the question kind of pops up is like, what, what would you say to some women who have been, they knowingly inside have been silencing themselves and they know that they are being called to speak up? Where would you guide them first? Ah, the first place is, is that really understanding and believing that you are worthy of speaking and then finding a safe place to do it. I think a lot of people feel like if, if they've got a story they need to tell, they imagine themselves telling it in a place that is perhaps um, petrifying, you know, maybe standing in a, a room full of people or like making a public post on Facebook about something mm-hmm. uh, that they have never spoken about. But actually that could be pushing your safety zone. No one can tell you where your safety zone is. Um, or your way your safety zone ends. I have this, it's a, I have this image that I work with a lot and that's that I'm in the middle of a few circles. So I'm this central point and around me is a circle, which is my buffer. And that's my comfort zone. And that is the world that I live in every day. And I feel very comfortable moving through. It doesn't, it's not edgy. It's not risky. It's easy. And then beyond that, beyond that comfort zone is the world of discomfort, but it's within the safety zone. So there's another big circle, which is the safety zone. And it's uncomfortable but it's safe. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to get murdered or I'm not going to get um, punched in the face or I'm not going to get, you know, lose my job or whatever to, in this realm, but it is going to feel really vulnerable to show up in that space. And then outside of that circle is the world, is the territory that I don't go into, which is the unsafe territory. And so for me, it's about how far outside of that, that comfortable space can I step and where can I find those first little steps? Don't, don't go jumping off a cliff. Um, just find a space, find one person even in your life that it feels safe to show up to in an honest way and start there. And, and so when it, with the witch's poem, for example, that you mentioned earlier, like I didn't, I didn't just like write that poem and then stand and then put it out on uplift without showing it to anyone, you know. Um, I, the mm-hmm. first thing that I did when I wrote it was I went online. I was full of fire, like I could feel the fire of the words in my body. I was like, people need to hear this. And I just put it online and said, hey, I need a woman to tell a poem to. Can, can one of my friends call me? And one of my friends in Tasmania rang me up. And she just said, I can't talk. I'm on a bus. Tell me the poem. <laughs> you know, that's all she said. And I read it to her. And she said, thanks. And then we and then hung up. Okay. And that was it. That was all I needed to do was to tell it to someone who I knew would hear me, who I felt safe to speak those words to. Mm. And as I, and I, I, needed to, I needed to know what they felt like in the air. I needed to know what the words felt like escaping my lips. I didn't need a response. I didn't need her opinion. What I needed was to speak them and to feel myself speaking them um, and to know that it was safe for me to speak them because I'd feel it in my body. And then from then I went straight off from hanging up from her to doing a Facebook Live video just off my personal page. And, and I did the, the, the poem again and I started because that then felt like it was within my comfort zone. Many people that would be outside your comp- outside the, mm-hmm. um, the safety zone, but it was within my safety zone. It still felt, it was edgy. It was uncomfortable to do it, but it was inside my safety zone to do it on my Facebook Live. And it reached like, like 65,000 people or something, which is absurd for one person's personal, you know, Facebook Live video. And wow. Then we did the uplift video, and that's what was reached the 2.8 million. But for me, that's the, the key. I couldn't do the uplift video if I hadn't gone 
I hadn't had that one friend ring me up first and give me that platform, that safe space to share my story in a way that felt where I felt seen and I felt safe and I felt held. And um, quite often when we think about showing up in the world, we're going to think about putting ourselves in a place that is actually petrifying and scare ourselves out of it. And that's, again, that's the, that's the shame story is trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us small. But if you're feeling that, if you feel like speaking and you feel yourself shutting yourself down, um, ask yourself in that moment when you feel your voice shutting yourself down and you, and you ask yourself, you know, is it serving me to not speak my story? Is it serving me to stay small? Because maybe it is. Maybe maybe there's a reason for staying small in that moment. But there's a big chance that it's not. And in that moment when you feel like you, you feel that rise in you, that desire to, to step forward and say something and you catch, you know, like when you, when you kind of almost put a plug in your mouth and you can feel it sitting in your throat so you don't speak it and you kind of swallow it back down again. Just as you put that plug in, stop and go, is it serving me to swallow this? Mm. And if it isn't, then take the risk. As long as you're within your safety zone, take your risk and, and show up in a way that is honest and real in yourself because the magic that comes with honesty and courage is it, it actually attracts honesty and courage. So when I show up more, honesty, honest, more honestly and more courageously and more vulnerably in my life, people around me start doing the same thing. And if there's people around me who aren't prepared to be honest and to be courageous, they kind of disappear out of my life. They don't hang around me anymore. And at first that can be a bit shocking. And after a while you kind of just realize, well, good. Because <laughs> I don't actually want to be around people who aren't actually going to give me themselves. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be hanging out with a bunch of masks, a bunch of facades. That doesn't, it doesn't interest me in the slightest. What I want is real people and real connection. And the more fiercely and gently I decide to show up in that way, you say you hear fierceness in me. And I I like this, I I use this term uh, fierce gentle. And that is that I, that I'm fear. I do feel like I'm fierce, but I'm also very, very deeply committed to, to nurturing my gentle self part of me that understands about care and about compassion. And so how can I be fierce and have strong boundaries and really know who I want to be and how I want to show up in a way that actually comes from compassion and from love, not from wanting to destroy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but it's about that, that real desire to share your story and not capping it if, 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 and questioning, you know, does it serve me to stay silent? Well, that question, I think, can take um, us back to ultimately exactly where we need to go is, is this serving me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that it was a good shift to start asking myself that on this like personal development, self-loving journey was to start asking me that then, you know, doubting or questioning or feeling like, you know, I'm not in alignment or something. I think it's, it just, it's so simple. You know, our brains want to come, come make it super complicated, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I love that you, you know, just bring that back out to, is, is it serving me? What was it like to then experience uh, a video that went viral? Was that your first viral video um, on your spoken yeah. word? Code? Yeah, it was my first viral. I had a couple of pieces reach a couple of thousand views, which had blown my mind. and and, you know it gets to a point like it got it gets past like 10,000 people and I stopped thinking people and I started just seeing numbers and it got to like 
you know, 10,000, 500,000, a million, like it reached a million people in a day. And, oh, my God, I felt so raw. I felt this feeling of like my face, my story, my voice has been witnessed by a million people at least in the last 24 mm. hours. And I remember, <laughs> I remember turning my phone off. I just, I went and got a massage. I got my friend Z to give me a massage and I just kind of went there and I kind of <laughs> laid down on the table and it's like, I just need to escape from the, from the whole world <laughs> for a moment. Um, so there's, it was, there was a real vulnerability to it, that, that feeling of being, especially if, if um, you know, our, our big thing that we're overcoming is, is the story of not being seen of hiding ourselves and, and hiding our true self and to, to step forward and have your voice heard. I mean, I thought it would reach a lot of people, but I never imagined, never imagined the amount of people that it would reach. And, um, yeah. and, it, and it does, it still blows me away. I, I think a lot of the time it just, it's just numbers. I'm like, yeah, 2.8 million people. But then when I actually <laughs> stop and think about it, <laughs> I'm like, okay, now Felicity, imagine 10 people. Great. Now imagine 100 people. Okay, I can do that. Imagine a thousand people. I can just about imagine a thousand people. Imagine ten thousand. I'm struggling. <laughs> you know, I want to get to a hundred thousand people. I'm like, I can't picture that. I can't picture a thousand people in my head. That doesn't, that doesn't compute. So, um, so yeah, it starts to. Or if I get really, um, really into it, it can be really overwhelming. But one of the magical parts of it is that I found myself. You know, I, I did a, a tour of the U.S. last year, and um, people were approaching me who I didn't know. I'd go to an event or something and someone would come up to me and be like, oh my God, you're that witch's poem woman. <laughs> and I'd be like, um, yeah, yes I am. Yep. And I'm kind of used to that within Melbourne because I'm, I'm known as a poet in Melbourne. So I'm used to people stopping me and saying hi, but they're usually like a friend of a friend or they see me at a gig that I know, not an absolute stranger on the other side of the world. And I had, I had one woman who, who drove an hour to come to a gig, um, like a small local Portland poetry gig, and she had seen witches and just really wanted to meet me in person. And she drove an hour to mm. just to see my fifteen-minute set, you know. And that yeah. was, yeah, it was really amazing. It was a really beautiful feeling, uh, very affirming as an artist, which is a huge thing to feel affirmed as an artist because you know what are we mm -hmm. constantly struggling against in the in the in the angst of being artists is that feeling that we're worthy. Um, but also really affirming as a woman to know that, that, that our story, that that story is so relevant to so many women. It's not just my story. It is the story of so many women. And, um, and in that, it was so affirming to know how many people stood behind it, how many people were, were, were agreeing to it and, and saying yes to it and wanting to see more of that in the world, more of the strength of women, more of the fierceness of women, and more of the truth of what it is for a woman when she is able to stand in her no in absolute strength. Absolutely. I think we are, um, that the, the fact that you've, you know, created that vehicle to put that out there and really speak your voice is, it's just proof that uh, it, we're all really hungry for it. You know, I often get the most response when, we do when truth is spoken, you know, and you can feel it in your body and in your bones and you're like, yes, this is, this is what I need. This is what my soul needs. And 
I really believe that that's what this, you know, this rise of the feminine movement or experience or, you know, whatever you want to call it, as we rise together, we are really cultivating uh, a sense of freedom and, and, and collaboration, you know, and being able to see one another again, when I really, you know, we, back in the day, we were like sisters, you know, and being the, those times when I, we, we were burned at the stakes and kind of, you know, had to almost throw each other in the fire and we're still healing from that. You know, there's just so many layers, but it feels like there is this, um, this time of this great awakening where we are ready to dive in and receive a greater level of who we really are as women and taking our power back. So, um, you know, thanks for being such a great example for that and um, with the work that you do. So I have a question and I would love to know how um, either perhaps you might be interested in sharing that poem on here or if we could share the poem um, on here after the podcast airs, but or anything maybe that something speaks to just share what um, some of your voice in spoken poetry. Mm, yeah, I'd love to share a poem with you. Would you like witches or would you like a different poem? I think they're all going to, everybody here is like, let's hear witches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I'll give you witches. In the past, they burned us because they thought we were witches. Just because we knew what to do with herbs outside of the kitchen because we knew how to dance, how to seduce, how to pray because we moved with the cycles of the moon. In the past, they burned us alive because they knew that we are witches. So now we cast spells with our mouths, pieces of our hearts spill out. It is incredible, the power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. No, we won't sit any longer while you ponder on our rights. On our rights to give or not give life. On our rights to make another woman our wife. On our rights to be safe to get paid an equal wage, to have a voice, you know, in a place where we might actually make a change. It is incredible, the amount of ways that they have slayed just to keep us small. If they could have, they probably would have burned us all, but they couldn't with fire, so they did it with words, laid down laws to determine the amount of our worth. They kept us in contracts, they separated our circles, erased us from pages and made labor-saving devices our saviors. It is incredible how quickly knowledge can fade, how much effort was invested to lead us astray. But we will not come quietly. Well, there's another thing they've tried to take away. You know, our rights to exclaim our orgasms ecstatically. Mm -mm. We will not come quietly. We will open our mouths and let our spells spill out. Cast poetic prayers into the night so that every woman can hear the howl of her sister's delight, reminding her that her voice deserves to be heard. Let her jaw drop. Let her shame stop. Let her body scream under the self-pleasure of what it means to be a woman who can speak freely. You see, words, they carry meaning. And they have fooled us for so long into believing that no means yes. So much so that I'm almost impressed, except, well, I finally discovered that they're right. 
So I've claimed back that no as mine. Cause every no I throw against their forces is another yes I retain for my own self-worth. It is a spell I cast for my own protection. It is incredible. The power of a woman who is not afraid to say no. And this old witch, I'm done with broomsticks. I'm done with know your place. This witch knows that some knowledge just won't fade. That every woman is my sister. That through the hubble and the bubble and the toil and the trouble, we grow stronger when we cast our spells together. That we entered the fire and now we rise from the ashes and we are holding our candles and lighting our matches until the night becomes lighter and our voices can grow because we have remembered we are witches and we have learned to say no. It's like there's so many things in my body that, you know, they, they, it's like there's this sensation of um, like power and it's like a Kundalini rise, you know, that feeling when it's like, oh yeah, that's the truth. That's it right there. Mm -hmm. You are such a gift. Thank you so much for mm -hmm sharing all that and um just so much of your wisdom and bravery and voice ultimately um you know you highlighted we could probably go off on a tangent on this but in the poem it did share about uh, you know our rights and there's a lot going on in women's rights right now and mm. um yeah it's a big deep breath <laughs> and um what would you say is your ideal uh, vision for women and where you want us want this to really go and um, any maybe insight on how anyone listening can really get involved um i i, I missed the word what is my ideal what woman oh ideal vision of what vision yeah 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 well, I mean, firstly, I mean, the, the, one of the most frustrating things about that poem for me is that it just seems to get more relevant every day and not less relevant. And mm -hmm. um, that is, I mean, we have, we have had at least 25 women murdered in Australia this year. That's more than, that was more than one a week when I got that um, statement, when I got that, that number. It's probably more than that now. Um, multiple of those, like four of them were women just walking through the streets of Melbourne. And I'm also aware of the stuff that some of the stuff going on in the States, especially around the rights of women to their own bodies, to their own um, reproductive stories. And I think that <clears throat> really my vision is, <laughs> is we have autonomy over our own bodies, that nobody, nobody else is entitled to our story, that nobody else is entitled to our body, that nobody else is entitled to tell us um, how much we're worth and, and what sexy looks like and what strong looks like and what fierce looks like and what motherhood looks like and what woman looks like and what, you know, what, any of that stuff. It's not, it's nobody else's to define um, except for ourselves as women. And so my, my vision is, is, you know, is a world that we have exactly the same freedoms that, that men have, you know, that they've always had. And, um, Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's an interesting one, you know, um, how can we, how, I'm going to go back to your questions, but like this, this, you know, 
what can we do to step forward in that? And I've been reading this incredible book recently, and, and it's, looking at, it's looking at race, not at gender. So it's called a book called White Fragility, um, which is incredible. I highly recommend everybody reading it. But she made this point in, in, in the book, the, the author made this point that um, the big, the big, uh, a big challenge that comes up for people of color being that you know, to get the rights that they deserve they have never been able to just, you, you can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to have those rights. You, they had to come to white people and ask to be given those rights. And, um, and that's fucked. It's absolutely wow. fucked. Yeah. And it's the same for, for women is that we can't, as women, even the suffragettes, the suffragettes weren't, weren't like, right, well, we actually realized that we were allowed to, that we should be allowed to vote. So we're just going to start voting. It doesn't work like that because we're living in a patriarchal system. We're living in a, a white patriarchal system as well in the dominant culture, which means that that in that we generally have to pander to a white man to get uh, to get any rights given to mm. us. Yeah. And I, I'm a white woman, but mm. uh, and so just to clarify on that, but it does it does mean that I think that quite often our nature when we are in this battle is to alienate men and to push men away. And I think that for me. Um, the, the moving forward is how do we move forward in a way that is that, that, that is safe for women and is empowering for women but also isn't um that, that it's actually going to work and attack doesn't work because it puts people into defense and shame and we know that because we've been living in shame for generations so how do we move forward from a place that isn't um in shame or in blame how do we find a way to move forward that in a way that is actually um these are the facts these are what we need to do these are the facts this is what needs to change how can we work together to change that to make a better mm. world rather than being uh, i'm this you're that you suck you know <laughs> and which is i feel a lot especially when i look at politics you know i look at politics and it's mostly men and they're mostly deciding what we do with ourselves and it makes me angry and it makes me want to be like you suck but um i think a big part of it is is how can we find a way to break out of that blame shame mindset and actually just focus on the important part which is making change and actually creating creating change um and another kind of key point as women of a more personal level of how we can show up is that i uh, and this is something that i say a lot in my talks is is you know we as women the, the, the patriarchal society has, has been created on the basis that women be kept in a specific position and that mm -hmm. is a position of servitude. So, that's a, so that means the power stays in the hands of certain people, of, of men, uh, or the patriarchy. And to take away, to do that, you have to take away the power of women. And to take away power from people, from any marginalized group, the, the best way to take away power is to take away a voice, to take away their voice. And um, the best way to take away their voice is to take away their self-worth. Because then they don't feel like they even deserve to have a voice in the first place. You don't need to actively silence them. They will silence themselves. And that's exactly what has happened to women. It's exactly what white people have done to people of color. It's exactly what, um, you know, cl uh, colonial people have done to indigenous people here in Australia, what we've done as colonizers to the indigenous people here in Australia. It is to take away the self-worth, to take away the sense of belonging, and in that, to take away the voice, and then take away the voice, take away the power. So if we as women want to reclaim our power, we have to reclaim our voice. And to reclaim our voice, we have to reclaim our sense of worth and our sense of self. We have to stop listening to the media when it tells us that we need to be skinnier or, or, or our hair needs to be like more 
flowy or we need to like whatever the story is we need to be we need to have children to be women or we need to have vaginas to be women or we need to have you know we need to do whatever that we need to be young and, and, and doing yoga every day to be women no it's all it's all there it's all there with an undertone of taking away our self-worth and if we get caught up in the story of our self-worth being taken away then we lose our voice we lose our voice we lose our power so so, so the key part is to reclaim your worth and reclaim your voice. Start knowing that you're worthy of speaking and speak. And that's where the power comes back. Mm, so powerful, yeah. I think there's, there's, there's just so much truth in all of that and also with what you were saying, just bringing in like the patriarchal system and the thought came to mind how it's so fascinating that in this in the truth of the dynamics of what the masculine is actually meant to do for, for the feminine is to provide a safe space. And yet here we are in this really unsafe space where we, you know, our, our rights are getting taken away from us left and right. And, you know, I never really thought about um, that perspective that you just put out by, you know, we have to go ask the, the white man we have to you know and just the way that that is so fucked honestly it's just fucked (laughs) so you broke up as you said that so i didn't catch that bit uh, i just said it it's it's so fucked (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely fucked absolutely fucked it's absolutely fucked and um yeah there's a lot of work to do (coughs) excuse me and in that I also want to encourage us all to remember our own like you know so we don't need to live in a victim story about it Mm -hmm. we really don't um and that's the big part of the the empowerment is owning owning what's fucked and then actively stepping forward in a way to make change self-care is a massive part of that if you're in a place where you can't be politically standing up because you're not in emotionally strong place that's okay that's completely okay. Work on yourself. Work on stepping up into yourself. Um, but if you are able to step up on a larger scale, whether that's socially um, or interpersonally or politically, then do it because shit's not going to change otherwise. It's just not. It's not going to change. Yeah. Well, we're, we're the voices now. You know, the generations, um, you know, I think you said you were like around 33. So I'm almost 30. And I really believe like we have like this is now our time and those below us, the millennials, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to also, uh, what is the generation below millennials? I'm trying to think. Um, <clears throat> is it Gen Y? No. Gen Z? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. But, you know, they're growing up with all this technology, right? And, you know, they're not connected to nature. And, you know, I was, I spent most of my life like outside. So growing up at least, and even now. And so it's like, we are the, the gap between the generation before us with so much patriarchal systems, not that it's not rooted in our generations, but we have this, like this, this opportunity, you know, to really make the change and really be that. And I think it's, it's through entrepreneurship, you know, it's through poetry, it's through art, it's through dance, it's through all of these ways that really, you know, the goddess moves through us and the, um, and anyone, I mean, whatever, whatever is moving through each and every one of us, it's, 
it's a greater power that often I know feels scary, but, you know, I think you have really, um, to wrap up the, the overall energy of what you've brought is really to step into it and not be afraid and be brave around that and be courage, be courageous. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, thank you. I mean, so powerful. Uh, I love to, you know, offer, this space to really share what it is that you've got going on, where a few people can find you, um, where they can work with you and, you know, share from wherever, which way I'm sure you're on all things. There's so many media streams nowadays. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So yeah, I have a few things going on. I've got uh, my online program rise, which is basically if you're inspired to, to really step into claiming your voice um, in the way that I'm talking about and you want to work with me to do that, then I have an online program called Rise Speaker Training, which isn't gender specific. It's, it's gender inclusive. Um, and there are a lot of women in the group, but and it's really about a lived experience of how do we, how do we actually take the steps to, to claim our space and to claim our voice and to claim our truth. And um, I've given you a link, which I'm sure might go up in the show notes or something. Yeah, we can put that in the um, chat. Yeah, a link to the to direct link to the program. And if you use the uh, promotional code RISEUP15, then you get a 15% discount because you're awesome for listening to me chat at you for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> um, and, and outside of that, I'm actually writing a book at the moment called The Courageous Voice, which is looking at um, how do we unpack this systemized silencing, this marginalization, um, and how do we really learn to step forward in a fiercely gentle way, in a way that is, that is fierce and yet honest and authentic. It's not just a coming from a place of anger, but it's coming from a place of actually wanting to make change and um, reclaiming our voice in the most courageous way that we can. So I've been writing that book. And if anyone's interested in following me on that journey and, and um, being part of that book happening, I'm on Patreon at the moment and I'm trying to get as many people following me on Patreon as I can. So um, that's patreon.com forward slash fleecy. And um, yeah, and join me as a patron and get insights into my life and my journey through that. Great. Um, other than that, I'm on you know, Facebook, Instagram, the whole story. Very, very active on social media. Amazing. Well, we'll definitely include all those links for all you amazing babes to hear, um, to go find Fleecy and uh, support her in her work. And I'm really excited to hear about your book. So maybe we'll have to have you back on when you do your book launch. And mm. I'm sure that's going to be something incredible because you're already an amazing speaker. And I feel like you and Brene Brown are like related or something. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. You're not the first person to say that to me. And I do, I will own it. I will own. I'm going to put it out there as this is reaching people. It is an absolute dream of mine to speak alongside or even just speak to who Renee Brown <laughs> and oh, uh, connect my way. It's already happening. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's actually, amazing. You know, it's always funny sometimes when I'm like prepping for these podcasts or just, just downloading, you know, what, what's going to be the theme, what's going to kind of stepping into the energy, even like the minute I wake up for the day, it's really fascinating. Um, I'm sure you experience this, like when you're when you're gonna have a like a workshop or a seminar, or a speak a speech or something. And I turned on 
this clip by Brene Brown and Oprah, and they were talking about self-sabotage. And I was just, um, you know, of course, like randomly selected Brene Brown, and then here we are talking about her, and you are definitely going to have, like I already saw in my vision, you standing next to her. So it's mm. happening. <laughs> yes. Full body goosebumps. Amazing. Thank you for visioning that for me. I think uh, I would be very, very blessed if that got to happen. Yes. So, uh, okay. Well, I love ending the show with this final question. And uh, it, you know, feels like it's um, a question that you can just sort of drop into and embody. And um, I always love to ask, what does it, what does it mean to you to be a goddess? What does it mean to me to be a goddess? I'm actually wearing my goddess earrings right now. It's just a big long word. It says goddess. And, oh, um, yes. <laughs> and I jewelry. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's that it's it's you know the, the the god, the divine, the goddess is is in everything. And so for me, it's it's how can I embody um, every facet of what it is to be a woman. Um, in, in, throughout history and different cultures, uh, the goddess has been um, kind of segregated into different avatars to represent all the different facets of her because she's such a, or the, the, the archetype of goddess is such a faceted, a multifaceted experience. So if I want to be a goddess, how can I be, and this is again, fierce, gentle, how can I be fierce yet gentle? How can I show up in a way that is authentic and real and, um, and, and worship myself, hold that sense of reverence to myself that I would hold to the divine externally. Uh, and yet, um, and yet also not take the bullshit. Mm. I love that. That's beautiful. I love that. It's like the polarities of the goddess, you know, it's like Kalima and, you know, sweet, like Aphrodite. And yeah. um, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, it has been such an honor to drop in with you and connect with you, Felicity. You are such an inspiration and just overall badass, fierce goddess that I'm excited to have this message share out to our listeners here. So if you have any last words of wisdom to say to everybody listening, what would that be? It would be that no matter who you are, no matter what, where you come from, what you look like, who you love, that you have a story. You have a story to tell. And um, your voice is not only needed, but very much wanted in this world. So be courageous. Speak mm. up. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much again for being here and working with all of our uh, Wi-Fi kinks and technical breakdowns today. (laughs) You're amazing. And to all the sisters out there and brothers, I love you. I hear you. I see you. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye.